Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from October 1st, 1983, taped on September 28th, 1983, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me, as he does each and every week, from Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Brian. Hope you are as well. Uh, as we record this, uh, we are in the middle or to the end of the holiday season. So, very joyous time in my neck of the woods. Hopefully it is and everyone else is out there too. And we hope you had a very uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, um, Kwanzaa, whatever you may celebrate. But uh, I'm well, ready for another I guess romp through Mid-South, and I just want to point something out. We've talked a lot about the peaks and valleys in Mid-South, and um, we're in a bit of the valley right now, but I promise you we are not far from peaking at the top of this roller coaster. However, as I say that, this is still Mid-South Wrestling. It's still great. We're going to hear from a young JR again this week on commentary, and I'm very much looking forward to doing the show with you. Well, this certainly is a down period for Mid-South Wrestling, as we've talked about the last few weeks, and as you said, happy holidays to everyone, although by the time you hear this, happy Valentine's Day! Yeah! (laughs) I guess that may be more appropriate. I love you for that, Ryan Last. (laughs) But one of the reasons why it's so down is this week and next week, no Bill Watts. It's Jim Ross and Boyd Pierce. We've talked about Jim Ross kind of finding his way on Mid-South Wrestling, and he's not the commentator he would be even a year later. He's not there yet. And there isn't a lot of action going on on these episodes. You can see why Bill Watts was in such a rush to find a way to fix things that he approached Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler, but on that note, let's go to the open of the show, Boyd Pierce and Jim Ross. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling. I'm your host, Boyd Pearson. We have 60 minutes of exciting action, interviews, and telling you about things to look forward to in the future. And live action here this week, we'll see the Junkyard Dog as he takes on 420-pound Devastation Incorporated from Atlantic City, Big King Kong Bundy. Another great wrestling battle, we'll see the North American heavyweight champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed, in action against popular Magnum T.A., Jerry Oates is here along with his brother. You remember Jerry a few years ago, the former North American heavyweight champion from Columbus, Georgia. They form a formidable tag team, and we'll be seeing them in action along with all the top stars. And the man to tell you about it, my guest commentator this week, the golden-throated Jim Ross. Jim? Boy, thank you very much. And the wrestling fans that were watching us last week here on Mid-South Wrestling, remember that General Skandar Akbar brought the one-man gang back into this area for a very special encounter with the Junkyard Dog. Well, as usual... General Skandar Akbar had his, his hand loaded with aces, but a, a joker popped up in that hand that General Akbar had dealt to the junkyard dog by the name of Crusher Darso. It was a very exciting turn of events, something that General Akbar is very concerned about. Let's watch the, those, the edited highlights of that match now and join that match in progress, the junkyard dog against the one-man gang. And Mike, there we get the recap of the junkyard dog versus one-man gang where Crusher Darso making the save for the dog. Can you hear how nervous Jim Ross is? I can definitely. I mean, we talked. I think we talked about this in the last couple of episodes. You can sense the nervousness. You can sense the 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 feeling of trying to walk through. And I I believe the words I used was say what 
Cowboy Bill Watts wanted to convey. I felt like Jr. was trying to make sure he hit all the points that Bill Watts had given him before he sent them out there for this assignment to do commentary. And you're absolutely right. I mean, even a year later, Jim Ross is 10 times better than what you see here. And of course, you know, I, I thought some of his greatest stuff is six years later in 1989 in the NWA, where he's really just doing some really, really great work on on all of the shows that he does there. He's nervous. There's no other way to say it. And he's just trying to find his way through commentary. I also got a nice little chuckle at Boyd right there when he threw it to Jim Ross. He said the golden throat. I don't know if I've ever hold, heard that, heard it like that before. I've always heard, you know, <laughs> golden pipes. But he called JR the golden throat. Keep that one in your memory bank and get a chuckle out of it from time to time. Well, coming out of that recap, Mike, the golden throated Jim Ross shoots us to a recap of the interview he did with Crusher Darso, but let's hear him shooting us to that interview. Those events certainly upset General Skandar Akbar. The, the hand that he dealt the junkyard dog certainly didn't play as if, as if he had planned. Crusher Darso made a decision, a decision that every man has to make at some point in time in his life. And Crusher Darso is a, is a very unique individual. And later on in that wrestling program, I had the opportunity to talk with Crusher Darso. And these were the comments he made at that time. And there it is. And we go to that promo of Crusher Darso who talks about just living in the woods, <laughs> just not really caring about materialistic items. And what are your memories of this interview at Crusher Darso? I just a young Crusher Darso trying to find his way through a promo. It's not horrible, but he's very just kind of monotone. And, you know, he just stated his purpose and, you know, that he would not take General Akbar's money. And there's not really much else to say about it, to be honest. And I will say, coming off last week's show, Akbar's presence is almost non-existent on the next few episodes. But we'll get to there in a little while. The next match, our first match, Crusher Darso versus Frank Levert, Randy Peewee Anderson, the referee. The only note I have is that Crusher Darso wins with his overhead backbreaker. What are your thoughts or notes, Mike? Darso was pretty dominant in this one and my only notes were that he was dominant over frank lavert the wrestling is okay on this episode there are going to be some matches that we'll talk about where's some you know it's a lot more than just a, a top guy versus an enhancement talent guy but there's not really much here the only thing you, you have is darso being dominant over frank lavert which again you'd expect the next match a tag team match jerry and marty oates versus Doug Vines and Bob Stanton. Johnny Martinez, your referee. Now, Jerry Oates, a veteran of Mid-South Wrestling, a former North American champion, as we are constantly reminded here on commentary. Marty Oates is a young Marty Jannetty, who, of course, came out of Georgia, knew Jerry Oates there, and now he's in Mid-South Wrestling with him. On this match, they say that they're brothers, but on the next episode, they change that and say that they're cousins. But for anyone who ever wondered who was better when they started out, Marty Jannetty or Shawn Michaels, it was Shawn Michaels. Because Marty, he definitely grew a lot as an in-ring worker between this point in 1985. Because he was a little off on some of his things, including his drop kicks here. The other note I had is that Jim Ross mentions Columbus, Georgia a lot on commentary during this match. What are your thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? 
I do. Um, I agree with you on everything you said there. I, I want to make mention, though, I thought, you know, Jerry Oates, we know who he is. Uh, Jerry Oates and Marcos, they they look decent. I mean, they they look good in the ring. Uh, I, I, there's nothing bad here. It's just, you know, you've got four guys, one one guy in particular that, you know, with, with Jerry. I mean, I think people know more who he is than others. But I thought this actually for for a match where it's kind of cold and there's nothing really to get behind. I thought that it was an overall good match. Now the Oats are going to pick up this win against Vines and Stanton. Stanton kills me with his tights. He's got the stars. He's got the the words on his on his backside. You know, we, we all know who Doug Vines is at this point. I thought actually this was a good little match considering it's just cold and we really weren't invested totally in, in any of the participants. Uh, good match though from, I guess you'd say preliminary teams is the words I'm looking for. It was a good little match. It was one point I laughed. What's the move where the guy does the leapfrog and then he gets down on his back. And when the guy comes off the rope, he catches him with his legs and monkey flips him over. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And, and Stanton, Instead of doing the flip when Jerry O catches him with his feet, Stanton literally just flies forward like Superman and lands on his face. He lands on all fours like a dog. Yeah, he landed like a dog. He didn't land on that. When I said face, I mean on his front side. It's I've never seen anyone do that. I've never seen anyone do that before. You're looking for him to flip over, but he kind of just, it's funny because in slow motion, he just floats up into the air and lands on all fours. It's freaking fantastic. I popped on it too. You brought it up. I should have said it at first, but it is, it was funny. <laughs> I've never, have you ever seen that before? I don't know. I've never seen somebody to be more descriptive about it too. So what happens is uh, I think it was Oates. He shoots off. Oh no, no, no. They, they had just done a tackle drop down combination and Stanton is coming off the ropes and Oates is getting up. And when he gets up, he puts his feet up like for what would be a monkey flip. And, Friggin' Stanton just instead of flipping, he like levitates in the air for a second and <laughs> drops down on his all fours. It's you got to go back if you got the network, go back and watch this stuff. It, it, it was it's just comical because I've never seen it in the way that it happens. I've seen the monkey flip a million times. I've seen people legitimately mess up a monkey flip, not rotate all the way over or fall sideways. But no, this guy just freaking hits Oates's feet. Oates pushes up. And Stanton just levitates in the air and almost, it looks almost like he floats for a second and then he comes down on all fours. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff. <laughs> well, the Oates' win with Jerry getting a spinning toehold on Bob Stanton. And then we go to our next match. Nikolai Volkov versus Art Cruz, Rick Ferreira, the referee. Another match where someone is dominant. Let's go to Jim Ross talking about Nikolai right from the outset that 250-pound Art Cruz certainly has his work cut out for him against the big Russian bear, Nikolai Volkov, a Russian powerhouse. And I'll tell you, I was uh, I had the opportunity, if you can call it that, to talk with him in the ring. He is a tremendous man. Listen to those, those screams of, of, of enthusiasm and exuberation. The man is a, is a tremendous, tremendous physical specimen. A man that holds a record of a 600-pound, one-hand deadlift. He's an unbelievable athlete, 313 pounds. And we've said many times here in the last few weeks at our cruise, look at the strength. Look at the tremendous strength. One hand. He had the man up one hand, 250-pound Art Cruz over his head with one hand. 
313 pounds. He is a, a tremendous athlete, a, almost a superhuman being, is Nikolai Volkov, and he's very proud of his Russian heritage, and, and uh, you know, we've, we've seen some things we'll, we'll get to in the upcoming weeks about the, the background of this man. He's wrestled on main events all over the world. He's a, he's a legend, a, a Russian hero, a legend in Russia, as one of the strongest men in the history of, the, of their country ever. And our crew's fighting back, crew's fighting back against the big Russian, but to no avail. A tremendously strong man, as I said, a, a legend in his own time, in his home country, a, a real hero in Russia. Of course, that doesn't mean a thing, but he can prove it right here in the ring. He proves that he's a tough, rough man. He's a tough customer with those thunderous tree-like forearms on the chest of our Cruz, and Cruz goes right into that turnbuckle. He went into that turnbuckle, and the big Russian now with those look like size 14 or 15 shoes right to the small of the back. Volkov working on the small of the back, and he's got Cruz now, and Cruz is up like a, like a rag doll, and the big man has got him like a rag doll, puts him up right over his head. That backbreaker from the top, that backbreaker from all the way down. I've never seen anybody get up from that maneuver. Jim Nikolai Volkov is power supreme, and he's here, a man with a mission, and he doesn't like ties or draws. He goes for a victory, and that's what he's gained in this match. We'll be back. King Kong Bundy against the Junkyard Dog. Stay with us right after this word. Well, there it is, Nikolai winning with the backbreaker. I don't know what Boyd was saying there. He doesn't like ties or draws. He goes for the win. Who likes ties or draws? <laughs> What's he, what the hell was Boyd talking about? I don't know. You know, earlier in the episode, Boyd is talking about Ross's golden throat. God, that sounds terrible in 2020. The golden throat. I don't know what Boyd's talking about. I will say this about Nikolai. Just like with Jim Neidhart, Nikolai looks great. He's aggressive. Everything matters. No wasted movements. Ironically, I think the weakest thing that I saw him do is the finisher. Uh, but, you know, our Cruz is not a little man to lift up that multiple times over your head with the backbreaker. But Nikolai looks good. He's aggressive. He's strong. Nothing he does looks weak. He looks like the powerful Russian that Bill Watts wants him to be in this territory. I'm, and I'm assuming that's obviously the direction Watts gave him. Look like the backbreaking Russian, the guy who takes nothing. Uh, from anyone and Nikolai looks very powerful but again look at everyone that Bill Watts is bringing in in the months before he brings in all the faster smaller guys from Memphis yeah Crusher Darso Nikolai Volkov Jim Neidhart these are all the same kind of guy big guy and mm -hmm. you know that's why it stands out so much when all of a sudden it's Terry Taylor and it's the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express and Buddy Landell and faster guys a different pace of wrestling is coming to mid-south wrestling yeah i mean you mentioned a couple episodes ago about the the famous jerry jarrett statement you know bill where's the blowjobs at i mean I, you just you just listed five of them right there <laughs> i mean with the guys you're talking about coming in with the midnight the rock and roll the buddy landells of the world um uh, you know not to be so graphic here because we, we we look at ourselves as a pg show but it goes to what you're saying. Right now, we got Nikolai. We got Jim the Anvil Nightheart who just came in. We got, you know, King Kong Bundy's here. Uh, you, you've got the the bruisers, as I call them. These are the guys that are brawlers and bruisers. But you, you've got a definite change coming in shortly. Well, we get a big match next, quite literally. The Junkyard Dog versus King Kong Bundy 
with Randy Pee Wee Anderson as the referee. We're going to play some audio from this in a moment. I want to get your thoughts. Mike, my big takeaway from this match was that the Junkyard Dog does his timber fall from a knee that King Kong Bundy delivers. But what are your thoughts or notes about this match before we play the closing minutes? Well, overall, JR was good calling this match for me. He references Bundy grounding JYD and using his weight from the top position. And that is a, that's a great point when you're talking about wrestling. You know, I know Dog is a big man, but Bundy is a real big man. And Dog has gained weight, but he's not in the class of Bundy's weight. So when you, you know, to make the point that JR was making about, you know, Bundy's grounding the dog, we don't look at Dog as a high flyer or anything like that. But, you know, we do look at Dog as a powerful man when he's working from standing up. You get a guy like Bundy who lays on you, that takes your win in itself because you're trying to fight from underneath that. I mean, and that's a real thing even in MMA today. You get these big heavyweights out there and you get a heavyweight who's got the the, the offensive position and he's got another heavyweight, um, you know, he's on top of him trying to work him. You get gas just laying underneath a big man like that. So I thought JR pointing that out from the point of Dog and Bundy here where Bundy's trying to ground JYD and he's kind of laying his weight on him especially when he's got him in that hammer lock at one point in the match. I thought that was uh, just just a good little sporting take from JR. Uh, Bundy Bundy actually hits JYD with a splash at one point and, and had Dog pinned for a four count. But remember, Bundy's whole thing about got to have a five count here. So Bundy, you know, JYD kicked out on four. Technically, Bundy would have won if not for the five count thing. But those are my notes. And I thought, again, let me reiterate, JR did a good job calling this match, in my opinion. Well, let's hear some audio from Jim Ross during this match. We'll pick it up with King Kong Bundy having his hammerlock on the Junkyard Dog. JYD, JYD. The Junkyard Dog making a, a tremendous name for himself coast to coast. His reputation is worldwide. But this is his home, the Mid-South area. We're very fortunate to have wrestlers of his caliber. Bundy with that big knee right to the head. Bundy with that. And Bundy with a splash. This may be all. Bundy may get five right here. Bundy with a splash. Four. And ju the junkyard dog powers out at four. The junkyard dog powered out 420 pounds. Now you see referee Pee Wee Anderson signifying there's only the four count. And Bundy going for the pile driver. Bundy's going for the pile driver. The dog powers out. The junkyard dog powers out. All 420 pounds of Bundy going over the top. And the dog with that forearm. And listen to that, that dog roar. The dog with that, that clothesline. Down goes Bundy. Bundy's going down. The dog has got him up. The dog has got him up for that thump. And there's a thump of the junkyard dog. One, two, and three. The junkyard dog. The junkyard dog got the 420-pound Bundy up and down for the victory. A tremendous win for the big thump junkyard dog, and we'll have more action coming up right after this word. Well, there it is, Mike. The dog winning with his thump. I have to say, no one hits the ropes like the junkyard dog. Every time he hits the ropes, he lifts one leg completely off the ground. Did you notice that? Or have you noticed that? Yeah, I I've noticed it. And also a point to keep in mind about the Mid-South ring, in the, at least in the Irish McNeil. I'm not speaking from, you know, when they're in the municipal or they're, you know, wherever else they're at around the territory. Those ropes are very, very, very loose. And but Dog does have a weird way of hitting them because he he really he almost he jumps into him. He doesn't even he lays across it uh, with his right side, but he jumps into the ropes. And when he jumps, 
naturally as he comes down, the leg, the, the, the left leg is up as he jumps into the rope. So he does have a very weird way of hitting the ropes there. Um, this, this was, like I said, I had made the point about Bundy, you know, he, he had dog down for the four count, but dog kicks out. And then, you know, dog backdrops Bundy on a, on a failed pile drive attempt dog with a you know nice looking forearm and a clothesline. And then JYD hits Bundy with a thump. And one thing I always loved about JYD's thumps, whenever he got a big man up, the big man and dog are so heavy coming down that the ring looks like a trampoline. I mean, they both bounce back up and JYD, I mean, he's got to bounce up a good 12 inches when he hits, man. It's uh, you got to go back and watch this and watch the combination of Bundy and JYD like fly up in the air after Bundy hits the ground or the mat on the spl- on the uh, on the thump. It's it's good stuff, man. It was it was a good good little match and fun to watch and the, the right guy won. I mean, you got to have JYD win here. Coming out of that match, Mike, we got a recap of the match from last week: Hacksaw Duggan versus Hacksaw Butch Reed, Battle of the Hacksaws, which turned into an impromptu lumberjack match, leading to a non-title match: Hacksaw Butch Reed, the North American champion. Versus Magnum TA, one half of the tag team champions with Hacksaw Duggan. Once again, no focus being put on the tag teams here. Just all of a sudden, the tag team champions are broken up again. Johnny Martinez, the referee. We're going to play some audio in a moment, but any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Well, you know, uh, reminder, Reed was pinned clean last week uh, in, in his match. So I just wanted to point that out. I thought... Magnum dominated early on with a series of arm drags, but Reed takes over though. He starts using his power. As I say that, there was some good, really good, some back, good back and forth action here. Even Jim Ross comments how the match has seesawed is the word to use, seesawed back and forth. Bunch of shoulder tackles from Reed to Magnum. At one point, Reed hit like three in a row shoulder tackles on Magnum, and he went for a fourth, but Magnum caught Reed in a belly to belly, but uh, he kicked out. It, it, Reed eventually he's going to end up hitting the fly and shoulder tackle with Magnum and and Reed wins by pin. But as I say that, and I know you're going to play some audio, Magnum really looked good in a very competitive match. And I know this is we've had him do this before, but he is also the one guy in the territory who to me is the I guess I'll call the young pretty boy. Right, Brian, you know, we talk about when the rock and roll come in and midnight come in and Buddy Landell. But right now, Magnum is the the one quote unquote pretty boy, uh, and I know that term wasn't used at the time, but he I'll, I'll say that now. Very competitive match though between he and Reed, and you know I, I think you did have to have Reed win because of what happened last week when he was pinned clean. Again, he's the North American champion. He probably shouldn't have been pinned clean, but agree. The booking in Mid South for September and October has been puzzling at times. Let's go to some audio of this match. Butch Reed versus Magnum T.A. Magnum T.A. trying to stay on the offensive against the North American champion, and he walked right into that one. The champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed, bringing up those knees, and the force of those knees coming off those ropes from Magnum T.A. was a, a tremendous blow, and Reed, you can hear very vocal in there today, telling him to get up, verbally humili- humiliating the man. And Reed turning around the ring, and Reed... That's three body tackles from the ex-football All-American. And T.A. left belly-to-belly suplex. We may have a winner right here, one and two. Almost for the two count. Jim, in a match like this, a confrontation between two fast-moving contestants, 
Johnny Martinez really has an assignment. You can tell because you've been there. He certainly does. He's doing an excellent job right now. And Reed, Reed with that experience, Reed caught Magnum T.A. Maybe Magnum T.A., he thought he had Reed going farther than he was, and Reed turned the tables on him. And now Reed back on the offensive. And you give the North American champion a break. You give the North American champion a break. And right over those steel cables, right over the steel cables goes Magnum T.A., and that's going to take it out of any man. Butch Reed, I think the fans can see, has things going his way at this point in time. One more time over that top cable. And as we said, last week, Hacksaw Duggan, Magnum T.A.'s partner, did some tremendous amount of uh, embarrassment and, and humiliation to Hacksaw Reed, and he's really taking it out on T.A. right now. There's that tremendous tackle, that slingshot right off, coming off the impetus of those ropes, and there's one, two, and three, boys. Hacksaw Butch Reed uh, taking a victory. North American heavyweight champion. This is a non-title match, but a tremendous win nevertheless for Hacksaw Butch Reed over Magnum T.A. There you see Johnny Martinez over the fallen and defeated Magnum T.A., but he put up a courageous and a valiant battle. Well, you know, Boyd, and he's being taunted now by Hacksaw Butch Reed, who won't leave the ring after gaining the victory. Well, that's what I started to say, and I'm glad that our camera owners keep the camera right here. This is an interesting situation. Reed is very, very cocky. He's, he's wanting to know where is Duggan. Where is Duggan? And Reed very vocal throughout the, this, the balance of this match. And Butch Reed with an impressive victory here over Magnum T.A. But he's yelling for Duggan, and, and the people are, are screaming. I can't see from our position right here. Hopefully, well, now I can see with the people. There's the junkyard dog. The junkyard dog coming into the ring. Duggan wasn't here, but there's a junkyard dog, and look at that confrontation. Yes, sir. You talk about two stallions. Hacksaw Butch Reed, the North American champion, against the man. Against the man, the junkyard dog, and Reed has decided that he's done his work, and he's leaving the area. He's heading to the dressing room, and there's a junkyard dog with his good friend, Magnum T.A., and we'll be back when action resumes after this word. Well, there it is, Mike. Butch Reed defeating Magnum T.A. with a shoulder block. And then after the match, the man who makes the save isn't T.A.'s partner, Hacksaw Duggan, who's actually not even on this taping. But it's the junkyard dog teasing things for the future, once again between the dog and Butch Reed. Yeah, I mean, Reed is, he's, you know, he's doing everything a good heel should do, to be honest. He just, he just beat Magnum instead of, and while Magnum's down and Magnum's no threat to him, he's just standing over him, taunting him. It's really good heel work when you think about it, because at that point he feels, oh, there's no threat. You know, I just first off, he dropped Magnum over the top rope, you know, by the uh, on the neck two times before he then hit him with the shoulder tackle. So Magnum's out and he's doing a Magnum's doing a great job of selling everything that just happened to him as he was as he was defeated. And Reed's just taunting him. He's standing over him. He's doing what a good heel would do. You know, I've got this guy down. He's not going to get up and do me anything. So let me just showboat at this point. And I loved it. And then Dog was like, uh-uh, nah, you better back up. So Dog comes in and kind of chases Reed off. And Dog looks over Magnum to protect him. Reed actually at one point, like if said, he's going to go after Dog while Dog's on his knee, checking on Magnum. And and then Dog gets up and Reed powders out. And he's like, nah, I don't want no part of this. Really, really good, subtle, just good heel work right there. From Butch Reed, it's you know you don't you don't hear it in the audio, but if you went back and watched it, you'd see exactly what we're talking about here and why it was a good. Coming out of that match, Mike, we get our next match: Jim the Anvil Neidhart 
versus Sam Hall, Ricky Ferreira, the referee. Again, a dominant performance by Neidhart here. He wins with a fallaway slam. My only other note was that he yells at the Mr. X fan in the crowd after the match. Do you have any thoughts or notes about this match? Uh, I didn't catch him yelling at the Mr. X fan, but I will say this. I said this about Volkov earlier. Jim DeAnville Neidhart is flinging this guy around the ring, and he looks like a powerful human being that is vicious. And when I say, like, you know, I know I know Neidhart's not a little man. He's a big guy, right? He's just a raw bone big guy. He's not like a body guy. He's not ripped. You know, he's not like Hercules Hernandez was. I mean, he's, you know, he's not the ripped guy. But man, everything he does looks aggressive and like it hurts his opponent. And I thought Neidhart looked phenomenal again in his match here. Just a really good job of building him up more, making him out to be this powerful machine. And and for the, you know, his nickname, the Anvil. I mean, he really looks great uh, defeating an enhancement talent, Sam Hall. After that, Mike, we get our final match this week. The Missing Link with General Skandar Akbar versus Mike Bond, Randy Pee-wee Anderson, the referee. The Missing Link wins with his headbutt to the back. This is the only appearance by Akbar. As I said, he's barely being used on this TV taping. I almost forgot The Missing Link was still there. What are your thoughts or notes about this as we wrap up this episode? Well, I don't know what Boyd Pierce is talking about here. He says Mike Bond has filled out since the last time we've seen him. I hadn't didn't. He looks him. exactly the same as the last time we saw him. Right. <laughs> filled out. Uh, as for the match, Bond actually got a little bit of offense in here against Max, the missing link. And uh, Jim Ross, my other note, reminds us that next week he claims We'll see Leaping Lanny Poffo will be here. Stay tuned on that to see if Poffo really shows up. Uh, so we were supposed to see him this week, I believe, but we'll see him, quote unquote, next week. But more to come on that. Um, Bond, again, Bond got a lot of offense. And then I've got the same note from you. Link does end up winning with the flying headbutt off the second rope. Other than that, same Mike Bond. I don't know this whole filling out thing from uh, Boyd Pierce. Well, with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Like we said, the calm before the storm. I promise you things are really about to pick up in Mid-South Wrestling in the weeks and months ahead. But until next time, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? So I'm going to do something a little bit different this week as I plug and tell you to come listen to Booking the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. I want to mention something. Uh, the great Brian Last, uh, he's talking about the 605 Super Podcast, but uh, recently, in the last few months, he did the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame special. I believe it was a two-parter. And the reason I mentioned that is because Brian and uh, many of his co-hosts on that show, they talked a lot about the Steiners, right, Brian? I mean, you were uh, you were pretty high on the Steiners, correct? Oh, yeah. I think anyone who goes back and looks at their work between 1989 and at least 
1992, but potentially up to 1994, it's hard to argue that they are not a Hall of Fame tag team. Their matches are spectacular. Exactly. And the reason I brought that up is because, you know, I've I've mentioned a few times over the last few months when I plug uh, BTT that, you know, we're in the middle of the fair funk thing and we've we've, you know, got the sting motor thing going as well. But, you know, we we in the last few months have gotten to the point where, you know, Scott Steiner comes in and we're in the first I'll say the first few months of Rick and Scott Steiner as a tag team with Missy Hyatt. And, you know, we're getting into the controversy, uh, what ends up happening with a Robin Green and all that stuff. But the point I want to bring up is we are in the midst of the early Steiners. And let me tell you, Brian and his co-hosts on that show are right. The Steiners, they're phenomenal, even from the beginning. I mean, the beginning. You see it right away. Tremendous tag team. And we are covering that right now on BTT. As I always say, we are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong, but it's still fun. Nonetheless, we love talking old school NWA wrestling. We have done from 1985. And again, we're now into 1989, August and September of 1989. Uh, Lots of fun. So come check us out there. Tinyurl.com slash BTTpod is where you can find the show. You can also just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you listen to podcasts, including this one. We will be there as well. It's a fun time. Come enjoy myself, Hard Body Hopper and Doc Turner on that show. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I oftentimes will post clips of this show, BTT shows, and all that good stuff. So, Brian, this is a, a fun episode, a little bit better than I expected. Actually, I, sometimes when I watch these shows, I'm like, eh, that was okay. But then when I talk to you, I have a lot more fun doing it. So, uh, good show. Looking forward to next week. Until next time. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nacarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!